hope you're not, but if you're anything like me at all, here's a few things I know about you. These are true of me. Even if you don't like to read, you read messages that are sent to you. I'm not talking about junk mail. I'm talking about messages from somebody you know. You read it. And, and I mean, well, some of us even read junk mail. I will read every page of a catalog that you get in the mail, right? But you certainly read every piece of mail that comes to your mailbox that is written and they put a stamp on it and it's written to you from somebody you know, you're going to read that. Every text that comes to your phone, you read that. Even if we hate reading, we're going to read that. That's just something we do. If someone handed you a really old, worn out envelope and you take the paper out and it's like so old it's beginning to turn brown, you know what I'm talking about, really old. And if they said to you, this is a letter, it's not written to you by name, but it's to you because it was written by your great, 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 great grandfather when he moved to America and he wrote this letter to his ancestors knowing one day they would read it, you'd read that letter, wouldn't you? Even if you hate reading, you would read that. You're not going to set it aside. You're not going to bury it under someone. something. Even if you hate reading, you're going to read that. And guess what? So would I. I would do the same thing. I would read it. And I know this about you. Even if you don't like to read, you're going to read that. You know what else I know? I, I, I think this is a very safe bet. The very fact that you are here this morning, that you walked into this place where Stuttgart Harvest Church gathers, the very fact that you're here, I believe, even if this is not your church family, maybe you're just checking this out or maybe you're here with a friend, it doesn't matter. Just the fact that you walked into this building with us, there's something inside of you that is saying, I would like or... I'm open to hearing something from God. I'm open to that. I, I, I'm, I'm open to God giving me some kind of information or some kind of direction. I'm open to receiving that, to hearing that. I'm open to that. So, let me tell you where we're headed this morning. In this teaching time, we're very clearly going to ask you, as you leave today, we're going to ask you this week to read some of your Bible. We're going to ask you to consider creating a habit of reading your Bible. And, and you don't have to be to the point where you say, listen, I've bought into all of this. I'm ready to be a part of this church, or I've bought into the whole following Jesus thing. You don't have to have arrived at that point. We're going to ask you just to simply say, okay, I'll, I'll read some of the Bible. And you might say, well, Harley, I, I don't like to read. I mean, really, I don't like to read. I got gotcha. you. I, I, I understand. A love for reading is not required. A love for reading is not even important at this point. Because here's what we do. We all read 
what is important. And we're just simply asking you, will you read some? Very often, we don't mind praying. I mean, we have a desire to tell God, God, this is what I want or this is what I need. Uh, we ask God, will you stop this person from doing this? Will you, will you help this person begin doing this? Will you keep them safe? You know, we'll, we have a good, you know, good experience telling God what we need him or want him to do. We have that experience. But what if, just what if, God is not looking to do all these things that we want him to do? What if instead he's wanting you and me to pause in us telling God what we want? What if God is actually wanting us to stop long enough for God to say something to us? And what if God is wanting to speak directly into your life? And most of us, the very fact that we walked into this movie theater to meet with this church, most of us desire that, that God would speak, say something to us. We want that. And I would say that that is available for every single one of us. But we find ourselves usually so busy, so busy doing life so busy telling God what we want him to do that we don't stop. We don't stop long enough to do this one thing that he might just be waiting on us to do. To listen to him through his word. You see, listening to me as a, a teacher, it's not enough. You could listen to to preachers on TV all day long. And that's not enough because I believe God wants to speak directly to you from his word, him messaging you. And we hear that. And so often all we can say is, well, but I don't like to read. Or we say, Harley, I, I got you, but I'm really, I'm just too busy. I just want to think about that for just a moment. How much, how much sense does that really make? You see, God, the creator of the universe, God himself has sent you and sent me a message. He sent you a Gmail, a, a God mail. He sent it to you. He sent you a message, a letter addressed to you. And we have a tendency to set it aside because we say, well, I don't like to read. But yet we read every other text message that comes to us. We read every personal letter that's been addressed and mailed to us. We read every email that we know is not junk mail that's coming from somebody we know. Even though we don't like to read, we read all of that. Even though we're busy, we still read that text message. And so I say, really? We don't like to read? But the reality is we read what is important. And so I would say, yes, God, I want to hear from you. And I think you would say, many of you would say the same thing. Yes, God, we want to hear from you. But what if, what if God is 
simply waiting on you to open your mail. Just open it. He's waiting. You say that we tell people, hey, yeah, yeah, uh, just Facebook me, right? We say if we want them to remind us of something or connect with us later in the week, say, yeah, 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 don't let me forget. Hey, Facebook me. And what if God is saying, I've already Facebooked you. I've already messaged you. I did that. There was a young man thousands of years ago, true story, young man, his name was David, and David, it's the same guy that, if you've heard the story, David, who killed the giant, the nine-foot-tall Goliath, David and Goliath. That David later became king of Israel, and that David was a warrior. Now, he had this other talent. He was also artsy-fartsy. He was a poet. He was a warrior. He was a poet, and David wrote many of the Psalms that are in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms. He wrote many of those, and it's possible, we don't know this for sure, because we don't know who the author was of this Psalm that we're going to talk about today, but it's possible it could have been David. And we're going to be looking in a moment at Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm of all the psalms, and if you were to compare, see, the psalms are, actually, each one is a poem. So it's not really like a chapter, it's a poem. But if you were to compare the Psalms to the chapters and the rest of the Bible, Psalm 119 would be the longest chapter in the entire Bible. The longest chapter in the entire Bible. And what might you think would be the topic of the longest chapter in the entire Bible? We're going to find out. We're not going to read the whole Psalm 119. We're just going to read the first two parts of it. So let's see what the psalmist here, possibly David, what the psalmist has to say. Psalm 119, starting with verse 1. Here's what he says. Joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. That's what he says. Now, Every, almost every single verse in Psalm 119 has something to say about God's Word. It uses different words to describe God's Word. Sometimes it says your word. Sometimes it says your laws. Sometimes it says your instructions. Uh, it, it uses many different words, but almost every verse has something to say about God's Word. So the longest the longest chapter in the Bible is all about God's Word, the Bible. So here we go. He says, joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions, that's God's Word, of the Lord. He's saying, you have written us a personal letter, and we're following those instructions, and they make us joyful. That's what he says, verse 2. Joyful are those who obey his laws, that's God's word, and search for him with all their hearts. In other words, the psalmist is saying, God, you are so important to us, and we want to hear from you so much that we're not just waiting around for you to say something to us. No, we're going to search for you. And where are we going to search for you? And how are we going to pursue you? The psalmist said, by looking into your word. That's what he says. Verse 3. 
They don't. Now, these people who pursue you by looking into your word, he says they do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. In other words, God, what you have written to us, this text you have messaged us with, this instant message you have sent us helps to keep me from choosing the wrong path. So in other words, what you've written to me helps me stay on the right path. That's what he's saying. Verse 4, you have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. So he's saying, God, you have written this message to us and you expect us to open it. We know it's there. You expect us to open it and you expect us to dig in very carefully. Not just a casual reading where we're like, oh yeah, yeah, I read that. Words, read that. Words, 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 God, words from God, words from God, read that. No, he said, you, you expect us to actually dig in very carefully. I, I think the psalmist might ask us this question. He might say, why are you waiting, and speaking to me too, why, why are you waiting on a new word from God. I, I mean, why are you waiting? Why are you saying, God, I want you to speak to me? Why are you waiting on some kind of new word from the Lord? And the psalmist would say, listen, it's here. He's already messaged you. It's here. This is the word. And if you will dig in, if you will open it and dig in very carefully... God will begin to actually change you. You see, we're not asking you to buy into something. We're not asking you to, to sell out to something here. We're, not, we're, we're asking you simply, will you carefully dig in to God's word, his message to you, and allow God to change you from the inside out? Well, you do that. That's, and the psalmist is saying, why are you waiting on something new from God when it's already here? He's already spoken. He's already sent you the message. He wants to take his values and as you read them, help you understand his way of viewing the world. And slowly you begin to understand the world the way God understands the world. Verse 5. The psalmist says, oh, oh that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. L let me tell you what happens to my life. Because here the psalmist is saying, listen, I, I don't want just words that say, God, yeah, this is good, this is good. I want my life, the way I live, to reflect what your word says. And so here's, here's what happens to me. When I get busy, too busy to read God's Word, too busy or sometimes just too lazy, but if I begin to push God's Word away from me and I don't carefully dig in, if I push it away instead, I begin to drift. I don't stay right where I was. None of us do. I began to slip backwards. I began to slip backwards into some old habits, into some old ways of thinking, and into some old ways of doing things. I began 
to devolve. I began to degenerate. I, I began to become the old me. I don't just stay where I left off. If I push God's word away, I begin to slip. If I don't say or stay close to God's message to me, very specifically, let me tell you several things that happen in my life. I, I don't know if this happens to you or not. This happens to me. I begin to magnify the bad in the people around me. I mean, if I slip away from God's Word, I begin to look at other people and I begin to magnify the bad that's in them. And I look at me and I magnify the good in me. So if I get out of God's Word for any length of time, then the people around me, I tend to see all the bad things they do and I begin to think about all the good things that I do. You see what happens? I don't know if that happens to you, but that happens to me. For me, here's another thing. If, if I push God's Word out of my life, then I begin to talk to myself. I do that anyway, but I talk to myself more than I talk to God. I begin to grumble, and I begin to complain. And if I don't say it out loud, then I'm grumbling and I'm complaining in here. And it's usually right here on my face, too. That's what I begin to do if I push God's Word out of my life. I begin to kind of argue, and I begin to fight, and I may not fight out loud, and I may not argue out loud, but you know what? It's happening right here in my mind. I mean, that person's saying something, and guess what's going on in here? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just, and it's relentless. I'm fighting with them in my head, in my mind. I'm arguing with them, even if I'm not doing it out loud, it's happening in here. If I push God's Word out of my life, I, I begin to focus on how people around me, from my view and perspective, how they might be mistreating me. And I begin to have a pity party right here in my mind. I begin to think about how they're mistreating me or how they should have said this or they should have done this or they should not have done this. And I have a pity party right here in my mind. If I push God's Word out of my life, then I begin to increasingly get more and more selfish. That's what happens to me. When I push God's Word out of my life, I get very ungrateful. Very ungrateful. You see, I don't just stay where I was. When I push God's Word out of my life, I go backwards. I fall back. I slip back into some bad habits, into some of the old Harley. The psalmist goes on, verse 7. He says, as I learn, so he's not just casually reading, not just reading, oh, God's Word, God's Word, that's good, that's nice. He's learning, actually learn. As I learn your righteous regulations, I thank you by living as I should. I don't just say things with my mouth to you, God. I actually, my life begins to change and the way I do things begins to change and that's how I thank you, God. He goes on, verse 8. I will obey your decrees. And then he says this really strange phrase to God. He says, 
please don't give up on me. He says, don't give up on me, God. The, the psalmist is saying, God, you are not finished with me. Not yet. And I think we could say the same thing to God. God, you are not finished with me. I mean, I mean the Harley that is sitting here today on this day in March 2017 should not be the same Harley that is here or over there in March of 2018. Because God, you are not finished with me. And I think you would say the same thing. God, you're not done. You're not done. And so God, I am going to continue to devour this message that you have sent me. It's almost as if the psalmist is saying this. Don't miss this. If I don't take the time if I don't take the time and the energy to devour your message to me, I am like a hopeless case. Because he says, God, please don't give up on me. I know you're not finished with me, so I will continue to devour your word. But if I stop devouring your word, if I don't take the time and the energy to devour your message to me, it's as if I am a hopeless case. And he goes on, verse 9. He says, how can a young person stay pure? He's talking to a young man. Now, what he's referring to, God's words, God's laws here, God's commands, they were hundreds and hundreds of years old at this time. Hundreds and hundreds of years old. But yet he says, young man, even though what we're talking about, you devouring, is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, it is still relevant for you today today. He says, young man, how can you stay pure? Which I would add, it also applies to, to us not so young men. How can you stay pure? And he answers it by obeying your word. You see, even the young man can find life in this very old text. And again, the psalmist says, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm working hard, God, to hear your voice. He says it in verse 10. I have tried hard to find you. And then he says, don't let me wander from your commands. He says, I found you. I've tried hard to find you, and I have found you in your words. And don't let me wander away from those. Verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And these words, he's saying... These words that I have found, your words, God, your message, your text to me, these words are so powerful that I'm going to hide them. I'm going to, to, to memorize them. I'm going to hide them into my life. And when I do that, they keep me from sinning. Because your message, your text to me is instantly there. And when I am uh, trying to decide, do I go this way or this way? It's there. I can remember that text you sent me, and it keeps me on the right path. 
He goes on, verse 12. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all your regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. Then he says, I will study your commandments. Not just read them. Study them. Learn them. To understand them, he says. And reflect on your ways. He says, I'll reflect on this. I'm going to read these, study these, hide them in my heart. I'm going to think very deeply. I'm going to reflect about what that says to me. What you have written, God, what it says to me. Here's our bottom line today. Bottom line says this. Most frequently, most frequently you hear from God through your eyes. Most frequently, you will hear from God through your eyes as you read his word. The psalmist goes on, verse 16. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. You know, if this was David who wrote this psalm, it really doesn't matter who wrote it. It is still just as powerful. But if it were David then that means all that David had of God's word at that time, he had the books of Moses, which is called the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament. He had those five books. He had maybe, uh, maybe some, of the, uh, some of the prophets, just possibly. Well, not, not the prophets. He had uh, some of the, like the, the judges. And, you know, he had... The, the things that happened before there was a king. He didn't have the whole Old Testament. He just had part of it. But he's saying, God, what you have provided me, it is changing me. I'm going to hold tight. I'm going to dig in, open it up, understand it. But so possibly... We have been so busy telling God what we want God to do for us. Even telling God what we want God to do for other people. What if God is waiting on us so that we can hear from him? What if God is waiting on us to read his text? He sent us a Gmail. He wrote us a letter. And we've been waiting on him, busy, 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 waiting on him to say something new or waiting on him to do something we want him to do. We've been busy living our lives, but maybe we have not been busy listening to God. Maybe God is wanting to speak to us directly to us after all he's already messaged you and we read everything that's important to us so why would we expect God to show us something more why would we expect God to tell us something more if we haven't even taken the time to read his first message to us? Why would we expect something more if we haven't taken this message 
seriously. So let's begin. Simply this week, let's begin. Let's begin to take his message to us, his text message to us seriously. Will you join me this week? Here's what we are asking you to do. Will you read Psalm 119 this week? It's a long psalm. But will you read Psalm 119 this week? And do this. Pick out one single verse. Read the whole thing, but pick out one single verse that speaks to you. There will be one. Pick out one that speaks to you. And we're going to ask you to memorize that one verse. So read the whole thing. Psalm 119. Pick out one verse this week and memorize that verse. And then one more thing. We want you to ask a question and to write down, actually write down, pen and paper, write down the answer to that question. And here's the question we want you to ask. What is God specifically telling me in this text message to me? The verse you choose to memorize. What is God specifically telling me in this text message to me? What is he telling me? And write down the answer to that. And then come back next week. That's what we're asking. Let's pray. God, the psalmist wrote, O Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind, God, you have promised me. Listen to my prayer. Rescue me, God, as you have promised. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me in your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for all of your commands are right, God. Give me a helping hand, for I've chosen to follow your commands. O Lord, I have longed for you to rescue me. And your instructions, God, are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you. And may your regulations, your word, God, your text message to me, may that help me. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Messiah, we pray.